good to be in the in the Lord's house today. I want to say a special welcome to uh, to our guests, our guests today. God bless you. If you're with us for the first time, also want to mention we have a <coughs> connect card. If you're with us for the first time, if you would like to fill out one of these connect cards, it gives us an ability to maybe I'd like to send a letter of thanks to you just for coming and being with us. We just surely appreciate you being with us here today. Um, also, we have uh, we do need to pray. We have some um, families that have lost loved ones this last week. Um, uh, Tracy's mom passed uh, this week, so we want to pray for Tracy. Also, Barbara, Barbara Vargas, uh, um, sister-in-law, is that correct, Barbara? Passed away this week, so let's bow in prayer for these families, shall we? Father God, we um, th- we we. Thank you that we can come together in your house, Lord, and love one another and pray for one another. And right now we want to pray for Tracy and her family, Lord, as her mother has passed on to be with you, Lord. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit come, bring comfort to Tracy, bring comfort to the family, Lord, and uh, just strengthen them and be with them in this hour of need, this time of need. Please, Lord, minister to their needs and their comfort. Also for Barbara's family, uh, we just pray as well, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, just come and, and, and let them know your peace, let them know your presence, and uh, Lord, your support. Help us, Lord, to do all that we can to show them your love, Father, of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, everyone. So... This morning, we are continuing, we're going to continue in our uh, series in the Gospel of John. Um, I, want to, I want to talk first about what's been going on in the news. You've probably heard about the um, uh, confirmation hearings for the newest nominee to our Supreme Court nominee, um, Judge uh, Ketanji Brown. She's been getting grilled you know, all week long by the Senate's um, uh, Judicial Committee. You know, they've been asking her hundreds of questions uh, to test her. You know, they want to know if she's qualified for the job. Uh, They want to know, you know, if she's Supreme Court justice material. It's being tested. You know, we're all tested, you know, in life, in life, aren't we, in various ways, amen? We're all tested in various ways. School children. Or school, whether children or high school or college, you're tested all the time. My wife teaches third grade. She was there a minute ago. <laughs> she teaches third grade. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully she didn't go far. <laughs> and she, she <laughs> oh, here she is. She gets, <laughs> she does that to me all the time. I think she's one place and she's another. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> but she gives her, she teaches her class how to take tests. She, she kind of gives them tests, uh, tips on how to take a test, you know, because tests are to, you take a test to remember uh, the things you've studied. You take a test to, to prove you understand that you studied, and that's assuming you studied. Now, you're right, that's assuming you did your homework, right? I mean, you don't want to be in my wife's class if you didn't do your homework. I hate to tell you what happened to the last little boy who didn't do his homework. <laughs> well, let's just say he's, he's doing it every day now. 
but testing him, getting tested. Now, on a, on, on a higher scale, on a spiritual scale, on a judge-by-God scale, there is a test. There is a test. It's a test of discipleship. It's a test of, of following Jesus Christ as a, as a true disciple. And um, Jesus spells out for us in the, in the scripture we're just going to read in just a moment. We're going to be in John chapter 8. He spells out the qualifications to pass this test. Okay? Uh, this test. And so let's go ahead and read, if you would, uh, John chapter 8. And if you're able and willing, if you could stand together with me, uh, we're going to look at John chapter 8. Verses 31 to 47. <coughs> and it says this. We'll give you a second to get there. John chapter 8, 31 to 47. Thank you, Jacob, for always being so good, putting it up on the screen as well. And it says this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? Jesus replied, <clears throat> Verily, truly, I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants. You are looking, but you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I've seen in my Father's presence, and you, you, you're doing what you've heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You're doing the work of your own father. We're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come here on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his, nat his native language. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me a sinner guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Amen. So the test, 
Jesus is talking about is the test of a true disciple. The test of a true disciple. The, the qualifications of being a true disciple of Christ. By the way, uh, on the back of your bulletin, if you want to follow along, there's an outline as well. The test of being a true disciple of Christ, a true follower of Christ, a true believer in Christ. You know, there are two questions. There are two questions to answer to this test that the scripture that we just read confront us with. Two questions. And both questions have to do with discipleship. And so here we go. Question number one is this. Do you know the truth? Do you know the truth? The first condition of a true disciple is to know the truth. What did Jesus say? Verse 31 and 32. He says, uh, if you hold to my teaching, you truly, you really are, or another translation, truly are my disciples and you will know the truth. Holding, he said, Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, not only will you know the, 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 what is teaching the, 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 is truth, but you'll know the one, the one who is teaching is truth. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. Not only is his word the truth, but Jesus himself is the truth. And to be a true disciple, you need to know the truth. Know the truth. Know the truth of Jesus Christ and know the truth of his word. Know the truth of his word. The word knowing. The word knowing here has to do with knowing that comes by faith. If you look at verse 31, Jesus is talking about Jews who did believe. They had a beginning belief. They had some kind of a belief. They, they had a faith in Jesus. They had a faith in what he was saying, and it was a beginning. You know, discipleship begins by faith, by faith. And these Jews, the Jews, the, 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 the small group of Jews that uh, Jesus was addressing here did have a faith. They had a beginning faith. But what Jesus is making clear to them, he says, if you really want to be my disciples, let's look at it again. It's in verse 31. If, if you hold to my truth, if you hold to my truth, teaching rather, you are really or truly my disciples. So he's saying, if you really want to be my disciples, you need to hold to my truth. You need to cling to my truth and don't let go of my truth, uh, my teaching, I'm sorry, my teaching. Don't let go of my teaching. Hold on to it. To be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, to remain faithful to Jesus is to be remain faithful to his teaching. Not only faithful to his teaching, but be faithful to his commands. Uh, what does the Great Commission say? Jesus speaking. Go into all nations and make what? Disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then the, lesson, the, the second part of that verse is just as important as the first part of that commission. What is it? Teaching them. Teaching them. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. 
So a true disciple of Jesus Christ holds on to his teaching and obeys his command. Being a true disciple. Being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, the word disciple there, when Jesus talks about being a true disciple, it means a learner. Just like the children in my wife's class, it means to learn. Now, for the Christian, for the Christian, the learning, the learning involves giving your whole life for all your life to the one who loved you and gave you his life. All right? It, the, to, to be a disciple is to be a learner. And to give him everything, you know, uh, uh, all his or her life, a Christian should be learning about Jesus and learning from Jesus. All his or her life, a Christian should be obeying the words of Jesus because his words are given to be obeyed. All his or her life, a Christian should be imitating Jesus imitating his humility, imitating his faithfulness, and most important of all, imitating his love, his love. John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says, As I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you do what? If you love one another you love one another as a true disciple, as a true disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Jesus saying, uh, what is Jesus saying we'll learn as a disciple? He's saying, if you hold to my teaching, you will learn, you will know the truth. Truth about what? Truth about what? Truth about the nature of reality? Truth about the nature of God? Truth about the nature of the universe and truth about the nature of ourselves. You see, God doesn't want us to have a false view of reality. And he doesn't want us to have a false view of ourselves. He doesn't want us to deceive us. A lot of people think, well, I don't need God in my life. I don't need God. They're deceiving themselves. We deceive ourselves when we say we don't need God. We're deceiving ourselves when we say, well, we can save ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves when we say, well, I, I'm not a, I don't have any sin. I'm not a sinner. What does the Bible say? 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to these words. If we claim we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the, lesson, and the next part of that verse says this, and the truth is not in us. We don't have the truth. We're being deceived. Jesus says, I came that you will know the truth. You see, the truth is, we're sinners. You know, that's man's biggest problem. In case we haven't figured that out. The problem is our sin. You know, that's what we need to be freed from. Hold on to Jesus' word. Hold on to God's word to know the truth. The test of a true disciple is if you know the truth, the truth of his word and the truth that brings freedom. 
verse, 30, verse 32 and 33. He says this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say we need to be made free? Well, Jesus wasn't talking about the kind of free, freedom they're thinking of. They're talking about political freedom. They thought Jesus was talking about political freedom, the kind of freedom Ukraine is fighting, it's fighting for right now against the invading forces of Russia. The, uh, to, to be free from a, a foreign ruling foreign power. You see, the, the Jews said, well, we've never, been, we've never been slaves. They seemed to forget. They seemed to forget they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They seemed to forget. They seemed to forget the world they lived in right now. They lived under a foreign power, the ruler of Rome. But you see, this isn't the, the freedom Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about political freedom. He was talking about spiritual freedom. Freedom from sin and its effect on our lives. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Verse 34. Jesus says it this way. He says, very truly I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus is talking about being freed from sin. You know, freed, you know, being freed to, to, live, to, to, to live right with God. Being freed to follow God. Being freed to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. Freedom. 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 You know, How does sin keep us from that freedom? How does sin keep us from being spiritually free? Because sin drags us down. It puts us in the wrong place. It enslaves us. Sin enslaves us. It enslaves us. Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin. Now, the word sin there is, a, is, in, the, is in the present tense. It means a habitual, continual sin that rules your life. It's not just a... a, a, a a lapse, an occasional lapse. This is talking about sin that rules your life. Now, the problem is, if you're not holding to the teachings of Jesus, you don't know you're in sin. Uh, it, why? Listen to this. Romans chapter 14, verse 23. That which is not of faith is sin. You see, if you're not living your life by faith in Jesus Christ, you're not living by faith. And like Greg preached last night, uh, last week, that is the sin of unbelief. That's living in unbelief. Hey, you, you're, living in, you're living in sin, you don't even know it. Because you don't know the truths, the teachings of Jesus Christ. You see, these Jews uh, 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 were, were, were living in sin and they didn't even know it. You know, it, Living in sin, living in sin, uh, living without faith in Christ. Faith in Christ says living in unbelief is living a self-willed, in self-willed sin. It's a living a life where you're not seeking God's purpose for your life. Who are you seeking? You're seeking your own. You're seeking your own will. You're seeking your own will. 
You're not free, but you're enslaved. You're enslaved. Sin drags us down and it puts us in the wrong place. But when you know the truth, when you know the truth, you're in the, you know your right place with God. Not only do you know your right place with God, you know the way the place God has put you. Not only do you know the place God has put you, you know why He's put you there. He's put you in the place you are to fulfill His purpose for your life. It's just like a bird in the air. When you know when a bird is in the air, it's free. You know, it spreads its wings, it flies, it's fulfilling God's purpose. But you take that bird out of the air, you put it in the wrong place. You put it in some water. And that bird becomes enslaved. It, be, it cannot move. Why? Because it's in the wrong place. Sin puts it in the wrong place. It puts us outside of the place where God made us to be. It enslaves us. It enslaves us. Jesus says, I came. Uh, Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, obeying the truth of Jesus Christ, and the, obeying the truth of his teaching, breaks the bonds of sin that enslave us. Obeying the truths of Jesus' teaching gives his light into our darkness. Obeying the truth of Jesus' teaching gives us his strength in our weakness. He came to set us free. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. It's through his blood that we can be free from sin. We no longer need to live in the grip of sin. He is the truth that came to set us free. The truth is we do need God. The truth is we do need his power. The truth is we do need his forgiveness. And the only way we're going to get it is by turning to him and confessing our sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. To cleanse us if we confess. You know, it's amazing to me how I've talked about the 12-step before. It's amazing to me how the 12-step program originally created for AA is so effective in freeing people from addiction. It's been adopted by so many different other kinds of groups. It's been adopted drug addiction, food addiction, sex addiction, gambling addiction, uh, computer gaming addiction, you name it. Why? Why? Why is it so successful? Why is a 12-step, did I get some smiles over there about the computer gaming? <laughs> Why is it so successful? Because it's based on biblical truth. Every one of those 12 steps has a Bible verse that corresponds to it. The steps begin with the, with the idea that you are powerless, you need God's power in your life to manage your life. Then it goes on to talk about turning your life over to God. And then step five says, you, 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 step five talks about uh, letting God know, you know, uh, uh, what does it say? Admitting to God the exact nature of your wrongs. In other words, confessing your sins. Sound familiar? <laughs> a 
It's biblical. It's biblical. That's why it works. Jesus says that's the truth. Know the truth. And the truth will set you free. That's why it works because the truth sets us free. Knowing the truth of God. Knowing the truth to set us free. Do you know the truth? Do you know the truth? That's the first question to ask in the test of being a true disciple. Do you know the truth? Secondly, second question is this. Do you belong to the true God? Do you belong to the true God? Verse 47. It says, whoever belongs to God hears what he says. The reason you don't hear is because you don't belong to God. You know, if if you belong to the true God, you're going to hear his voice. You're not going to be trying to hold your ears so you don't hear him. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 says it this way. The Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. If you're a true disciple, you're listening. You're listening. You know, it's interesting how the original, how the Jews in the early church tried to keep from listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How they tried to keep from listening to the gospel that was preached to them by the early, one of the, the, the earliest deacon, one of the original deacons of the early church, his name is Stephen. Uh, God empowered Stephen to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews. And, and after he declared it to them, then he, then he rebuked them. He rebuked them for not listening. Let's take a look. It's in Acts chapter 7. It's almost kind of humorous. Acts chapter 7. We'll begin with verse 51. It says this. It says this in verse 51. Stephen talking to the Jews. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. They weren't listening. They didn't want to listen. Now I want you to look what they did. I want you to look at what they did. Uh, to keep from listening, just before they dragged Stephen out of the city and stoned him to, to death. By the way, Stephen was the first Christian martyr. He was the first one to die for his faith in the early church. I want you to, I want you to look at what they did to keep from listening. Verse 56 and 57. It says, Stephen speaking, Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Verse 37. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, and then they rushed in. You know, just like little kids, right? They don't want to hear something, right? To put their hands away. Huh? You know, they don't want to hear it. And they start yelling, ah, nah, nah. Huh? Right? They don't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear the message from the true God. Jesus speaking to these Jews, John chapter 8, they did not want to hear the message of the true God. They couldn't hear it. They didn't belong to God's family. Do you belong to the true God? Do you belong to the true God? Do you hear what he's saying? Do you hear what God is saying? Do you belong to the true God as part of the believing family of God? As part of God's 
believing family. Jesus was speaking as a, chi- as a child of the family of God's forever family in verse 35 when he says this. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son does. A son belongs forever. The Jews argued. The Jews argued with him. We're a member of the family. We're a member of the family of Abraham. Yeah, Abraham is our father. We're descendants of Abraham. Now, who is Abraham? Abraham is the father of the Jews. He's the father of the Hebrew people. And they were, they were saying, look, we are physical descendants. Jesus didn't disagree with that. Matter of fact, Jesus agreed with that. Let's take a look. Uh, Jesus agreed with that. Uh, where are we? Verse 37. Verse 37, Jesus says, Jesus is like this. I know you are. I know you're Abraham's descendants. I know. He agreed with that, but he didn't agree with their belief that just because they were the physical descendants of Abraham, they were automatically part of God's forever family. They might have been part of his, they might have been his physical descendants, but they weren't his spiritual descendants. They didn't have the faith of Abraham. in Genesis chapter 18, there was a messenger that came from God, messenger from God, and Abraham received him eagerly and with reverence and wanting to know everything, that, to hear it all. The, these Jews were just the opposite. They didn't want to hear it. They did not want to hear the message from the true, from the true God. They were like the Jews uh, with Stephen. They didn't want to hear it, so what do they do? Cover their ears, huh? And these Jews wanted to kill Jesus, just like they killed Stephen. <coughs> they wanted to kill Jesus. A little allergy. They wanted to kill Jesus. Now, if they really loved God, if they really loved God, they would have loved his son. They would have loved Jesus Christ. That's the test. How do you react to Jesus? Listen to this. William Barclay, William, uh, Bible scholar William Barclay says, the test of a man is his reaction to Jesus. You, you can talk to somebody all day long about God and have no reaction, right? Soon as you do what? Soon as you bring up the subject of Jesus, here comes a reaction. Now, the, the reaction of a person who, who, to whom you're speaking tells you, will tell you whether or not they belong to the believing family of God. The reaction to Jesus. Jesus says just as much. He says, he says it this, verse 42 to 43. He says it like this. If God were your father, you would love me. For I've come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. God sent me. Verse 43. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. They're unable to hear it because they refuse to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They didn't want, want to hear the truth. The truth that would set them free. So then, they were not part. So to be a true disciple of God is to belong to the true God as part of his believing family. Not as part of the deceived under the influence of Satan. Verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil. 
and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Pretty strong words there. I'm sure that gained Jesus some points with them. <laughs> you know, your father's the devil, right? But it's true. Hey, it's true. The, according to the Bible, there's only two sides. You know, Bob Dylan had it right. In his song, you got to serve somebody, right? You're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord, huh? But you're going to have to serve somebody. question is, which side are you on? Which side are you serving? Which side are you serving on? Jesus told it straight that they were serving their father, the devil. Jesus was making it quite clear, you know, that they were serving their, they, they, that's the question. What side are you serving? See, the desires that were in their heart were the desires of the devil. Let's take a look again. Verse 44, it says it this way. Uh, middle of verse 44, it says, he was a murderer, talking about the devil. Not, uh, let me back it up. Verse 44, beginning of it. You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. See, their desires were Satan's desires. They were carrying out their father's desires. They didn't even know it. They were doing the work of the devil and didn't know it. You see, Jesus is making it very clear here. We have an enemy. We have a spiritual enemy. His name is the devil. The devil is real. You know, Ketanji Brown went through that interviewing process as a Supreme Court nominee that every other Supreme Court nominee has to go through. And they asked her about her beliefs in legal justice. Not too long ago, there was another Supreme Court, sitting Supreme Court member by the name of Anthony Scalia, who's now passed away. But he was also interviewed by the New York Magazine. He was interviewed not just about his legal, not just about his legal belief in legal justice. He was interviewed about his belief in spiritual truth, specifically his belief in the devil. He had just made the statement to this magazine: "I even believe in the devil." Because the interviewer thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, he or she wanted to continue with the questioning. So she goes like this. You do? Scalia, of course. Yeah. He's a real person. Interviewer, have you seen evidence of the devil today? Uh, Scalia, I know it is curious. In the Gospels, the devil's doing all kinds of things. He's making pigs run off of cliffs. He's possessing people and whatnot. And that doesn't happen much anymore. It's because he's smart. Interviewer, what is he doing now? Scalia, what he's doing now it is, 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 that is he's getting people not to believe in him or in God. And he's being very successful. He's having much more success that way. See, Anthony Scalia understood the truths that Jesus was teaching. Satan's goal is to influence our minds, our desires, our beliefs. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He is the God of this age, blinding the minds of unbelievers. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. He's the prince of the power of the air. Yes, the devil is real. 
And Jesus is telling these Jews to which he spoke, you're doing the work of your father, the devil. You see, he says it this way. Now, a true disciple, verse 44, back in John 8, a true disciple holds on to the truth. What did Jesus say? If you hold on to my teaching, you will know the truth. The devil does just the opposite. Verse 44. It says he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he's a liar. And the father of lies, he's a deceiver. The Bible tells us in the last days, in the last days, Satan is going to empower a man called the man of lawlessness, also known as the Antichrist. And this Antichrist that Satan will empower is going to do works that is to deceive those who would accept the truth and be saved. 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Let me read it to you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says this way. The coming of the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all kinds, all sorts of display of power through signs and wonders to serve the lie. And all, and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth to be saved. He's going to do the works to deceive, to keep people from knowing the truth and be saved. The Jews here that speaking to Jesus, the Jews here Jesus was speaking to also refused to love the truth and be saved. They refused to hear Jesus. They refused to believe in Jesus. Verse 45 and 46. Yet I tell you the truth, Jesus speaking, but you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? You see, they wouldn't believe because they were deceived. That's why they didn't believe. They were deceived. A true disciple hears the word of God. A true disciple knows the truth, and she belongs to the true God as part of the believing family of God. So then, the task of a true disciple is to know the truth. Know the truth that of Jesus' teaching and know the truth of Jesus himself. Know the freedom that his truth brings, the freedom, the freedom that it brings like a bird in flight. Know the forgiveness that comes from his truth that comes when you come, turn to God and confess to him. Secondly, not only know the, uh, know the truth, but belong to the true God. Where you're not trying to plug your ears so you don't hear the message, but you're listening. You're listening. You hear his voice. You're not influenced by the evil one, but you're holding on to God's truth, his truth in Jesus Christ. See, we're students. Jesus is a teacher. As followers of his, as we follow his lead, in obedience and in faith, his truth will make us free. It will make us free from darkness. It will make us free from the power of the evil one. 
It will make us free from the bonds, from the bonds of sin and death. So that we can know him who is true God and eternal life. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word that gives us the truth so we can understand reality, so we can know our, know our state, that we're sinners in need of forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross that we might be forgiven through your blood. Help us, Lord Jesus, to hold on to your truth. Hold on to your teaching that we may know the truth. And as we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So what we're going to do now is we're going to prepare. We're going to prepare for the Lord's Supper.